All right, we back. What is up, everybody? It's been a little bit of a break since the Picture This podcast. I've moved studios. Um, we moved out of the spot in Sunny Slope, and now I've got it in my home here in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, which is fucking awesome because now I didn't even have to wear pants, which I am wearing. I'm wearing pants. No shirt, though. Uh, it's hot here. I had to turn the AC off for this, so I'm not having to go back through and pull out all the fucking noise later. So, you deal with it. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, I thought this would be a good opportunity to answer a couple little things from Instagram uh, poll I put up. Poll, question, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, there is a couple good ones here, and I, I just picked two because I feel like I can kind of expand on these. Um, quite a bit, uh, and I, I think I'm even going to do, I'm going to do a YouTube, uh, video to go along with one of these because I think it would be really helpful to see a visual component of this, and for that I promise I will wear a shirt. Um, so, first thing, somebody, I believe it was my buddy Dylan out in Nashville, he wanted to touch on the difference between prepping a mix and actually mixing um, and, and in that, I want to talk a little bit about something that's, that's kind of a, I don't want to say hot button issue, but it is, it is kind of a polarizing thing. And that's mixing with a template. Um, for me, I mix with a template. Uh, it makes things much quicker and more efficient for me. Um, but you get those people that, that kind of poo poo that and want to talk about it being a, you know, a bespoke handmade mix every single time, uh, and you know, there's, I'm not knocking that. If you're, uh, if you have the time and resources to do that, and you get the results you want, fucking more power to you, buddy. But uh, that's just it's not how I prefer to work. But let's get into prepping for a mix. Um, there's a lot of a lot of things to unpack here, and I feel like I'm breathing super heavy. I'm just so excited to do this. Anyways, uh, prepping a mix. Now, this can go a couple of different ways. I, I've, I've done it all. I've gone through the, well, just send me whatever you got, and I'll do all the work for you because I'm just so fucking eager to do the work and just so excited that I got the job that I end up making way more work for myself. Don't do that. A revelation that I had a couple years ago while I was lying in bed thinking about this, um, and I, I put it into practice and it's it's worked for me, is there's no situation or no scenario where you asking very clearly for the files to be delivered in a certain way where that doesn't work out in your favor. It doesn't matter if you are a low-level guy just starting out or if you're fucking, you know, CLA or Reed Shippen or any of these like top tier guys, Andrew Sheps, whatever, it always makes you look better. If you just say, oh, here, I'll take whatever, it's it sets a dangerous precedent because you might you might do it once and you're like, fuck, that was a real ball ache. Uh, and then guess what? Maybe you crush it and they've got eight more songs that they want to hire you for. Well, now you just created a shit ton more work for yourself because you set a precedent where you're willing to do way more work than you should. And it sets a better value to 
the artist, if you have clear guidelines, they go, oh, this guy's got his shit together, right? So it doesn't matter if you're young and starting up, have a clear set of boundaries and things that you want for delivery. For me, <coughs> excuse me, for me, the things that I ask for are simple because I've done this a lot and I know exactly what I need for my template and for my workflow. I always ask that the files are obviously all edited and crossfaded and cleaned up and consolidated to a zero point. That means they all start at the same spot. That way, if something gets fucked up, you can always get everything back in line, right? Next, I will, if it's in Pro Tools, I'll just have them send me the Pro Tools session with everything cleaned up. You can keep your EQs, anything that's really esoteric and weird, or you spent a lot of time on crafting, just commit it. I don't want to have to recreate your shit later or come back and go, hey, will you reprint this thing for me? If you just send me that shit already committed and ready to go, I don't have to fuck around with it later, right? So to recap, we've got consolidated from a zero point. You can keep any basic EQs, basic levels. I don't want to be starting from zero. I want to know where you've been listening to and where everyone's used to the balances being. I may change those things, but I need to know your frame of reference in order to know where we're going, right? Secondly, secondly, I don't know. I've lost track. It could be B, C, third, fourth, whatever. Uh, the committing thing. A lot of people, especially nowadays, there's so many plugin manufacturers and there's so many different things and everybody's got their own chain that they've crafted over the years. If you got something really specific, just commit that shit. And if I need you to undo something later, maybe I'll ask 99% of the time it just works. So have people commit their stuff. You know, you can get deeper. You can ask for, you know, MIDI files and all that shit. Like, you know, there's like Joey Sturgis has got stuff online that, you know, you ask for f literally fucking everything. That's pointless to me. Just give me your audio files. Give If it's a Pro Tools session or even a Luna session, since, you know, whatever you work in, have them send you that with everything clean, consolidated. If you want plugins, take them. If not, have them commit the shit that's important and move on, right? Now, getting into the template part. For me, I personally feel like Mixing with a template allows me to get to the mixing part, the creative part of mixing, far quicker, right? If I have to sit down for four hours and comb through all of the bullshit that you've sent, get it loaded up, solo everything up, and then build a template around that or build stuff as I go, it's so much slower, right? Now... People might say, well, you're kind of painting yourself into a box, right? Or in a corner or whatever you want to, whatever dumb metaphor you want to pick. I don't buy it. My, my template's constantly evolving. I've got a basic template that I change as I go. If I make something new that I feel like is really great, I will add it to my, my base template. If I feel like I haven't used this certain thing for, you know, a couple mixes, I delete shit. It's constantly evolving, but at least I have a base level, right? And I know the gain structuring super well. I know what stuff's supposed to... I know you're not supposed to mix with your eyes, but we all fucking do it, so don't pretend like you don't. I know what stuff's supposed to look like. I know what stuff's supposed to sound like. Now, I can get 
stuff into my template really quickly, especially since everything's consolidated to where it needs to be. Everything's committed. I just wipe their shit, put it in, and we're ready to fucking go, right? Now, that doesn't mean I don't go through and I don't solo everything up and listen and make notes or make changes individually. That's definitely do that. But at least I'm ready to go and ready to be creative much quicker. I've talked to a lot of people that have different, you know, different opinions on this. And that's fine. For me personally, I'm at the point where I don't have the time or the luxury to take a week on a mix. You know, some people do. That's great. If you've worked to that point and you've gotten that amount of trust and you can build a, a custom template for everything, that's great. Now, I will say, if I'm doing an EP or an album, I'll do that first mix and then I will make a template based off of that first mix for the rest of the project because logically, it's all going to be pretty similar. So you can transfer that stuff over and the stuff that you've created for that song will translate to the others really well. So, in summation, listen to me being all professional. This is my TED Talk. What the fuck is a TED Talk? I don't think I've ever watched one. I just hear people say that. Anyways, uh, in summation here, figure out what you want for delivery. Now, this is different from every, you know for everybody. Some people want everything. I, I don't. It's too much for me to sift through. I just get overwhelmed and... Uh, and I just lose the force through the trees, right? So figure out what you need. Don't be afraid to ask for it. Like I said, it's always in your benefit. Always. Figure out what you need. Ask for it. Figure out a template that works for you. And go. That's that's my recommendation. Um, you know, and everybody's process looks different. Everyone's template might be different. Maybe you just have a, a few buses and a, like a, a mix bus you import. I don't know. I've got I've got all kinds of shit. Uh and I'll I'll get into that. Excuse me. God, too much iced coffee. Um I'll get into that in this YouTube thing I'm going to put together cuz I think it would be pretty helpful and uh interesting to those that have asked about this to go through what it's like to just build a mix for me or, you know, just as an example for anybody. Um Next part, someone asked, what are the 10 things you need to learn to run a studio? Uh, I am by no means an expert at this. I've never really run, well, I I guess I take that back. I have accidentally run a studio. Um, But I'm going to break this down to its simplest form and make it five things you need to know to run a studio and you can make this about um just running your career in audio as well it doesn't necessarily have to be about a studio um stay small for as long as possible that's number one for me okay stay small for as long as you can because the number one thing that i see people do is get too focused on gear building the space out uh getting a bunch of mics and a bunch of outboard shit that they don't need because they don't have the clientele yet. And guess what? you got a giant nut that you now have to carry and you have nobody to help you carry it. So stay small for as long as you can and build as your clientele builds. If you have a, a few 
you know, a few mics and a decent interface and some okay speakers, like you can you can do really quality work if you know what you're doing. Uh, so stay small, learn your gear, learn how to make your gear the best you can, and just get after it because really the gear it's it's important, but it's not the most important. The most important thing is building relationships with clients and doing the best work that you can with what you have because I've seen a lot of people with a lot of great gear that don't have any bad don't have any bedside manner and they don't nurture relationships and guess what clientele drops off and you're stuck with all this gear and this huge power bill and your mortgage or whatever your lease and you wash out so stay small for as long as you can and build from the ground up, okay? Uh, the next thing, and this is super important for all of us, not just owning studios, but um, if you're a freelance engineer of any kind, treat it like any other business. You have to, you know, be really on people about invoicing. Invoice through, uh, I use WaveApp, which is a really helpful free uh, application that will help you manage invoices and you can hook your bank account up to it and expense stuff through there. Uh, it's really handy. You have to treat this as a business because if you don't, you're going to get fucking buried. It's really easy to be, oh, I'm a creative and, you know, we'll just, we'll work it out. Don't do that. I've done it. You end up in debt. You end up owing way more in taxes than you need to. Treat it like a business and you have to kind of be ruthless. Some of the people that are the most successful in this business are successful because they are shrewd businessmen, and you have to be. Um, if you can have somebody be your representative, if you can have management, uh, that's a really great way to maintain a good working relationship with artists, and you don't have to be the bad guy. I'm not necessarily in that point. I just manage everything for myself, um, which can get a little out of hand sometimes you get a little uh busy and things start to fall through the cracks but you have to treat it like a real business because it is and most of us don't so treat it like a real fucking business please next one and this might be a little controversial but this is my own personal feeling on this don't go into business with your buddies I've seen this go south so many times. Uh, it starts off great, and then eventually somebody starts not pulling their weight, whether it's you or one of your partners, or maybe they want to go in a different direction and you don't, and guess what? You're tied together, and now your gear is mixed in with their gear or whatever. It's just, it's not, it's not a good way to go. I know it's hard to go at it on... <laughs> I know it's hard to go at it on your own, but it's usually for the best. That's my opinion. You know, somebody can tell me to kick rocks, but in my experience, I've seen a lot of this fall through. You might rent a space for a buddy, and then they go, you know what? The rent's got to be this much, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. We didn't discuss this. or It's just, it can get ugly. So don't let it get ugly. Don't let it ruin friendships because it can. Money fucks a lot of things up. Next is, um, this is an important one too. Know your niche, you know, and lean into it. If you are a metal guy, don't take on a jazz project. 
project. God, I can't fucking talk today, guys. If you're a metal guy, don't take on a jazz project. Don't take on a blues project because you need the money. You're not going to do your best work. And, you know, the same goes for if you're into classical recordings and you like recording fucking an orchestra. I mean, who the fuck does that anymore? Bad example. But lean into what you're good at. Now, that doesn't mean just fucking bail on everything. Like, if if you're really good at tracking, don't. Don't say, you know, I'm not going to practice mixing or I'm not going to try to learn or further my education in this stuff. But uh, lean into what you're good at and be, become the best at it. That's that's what I personally believe is your best path to success. Now, for me personally, I'm in the process of doing that. I'd say 80 to 90% of my work is mixing. I get hired to mix records or mix singles more than I get hired to track or or you know, tune vocals or edit drums, right? So I don't need a tracking space. So I have a mix room that I mix in and I do small overdubs and this podcast in. I don't need all the overhead of all the other bullshit. I'm niching down, niching down, whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? Now, I still do production work because I can do production work from here. I can do it remotely, but most of my work is mix work, so I am only really taking on mix work. If somebody comes to me with a tracking project, I probably won't do it unless it's something I really believe in and they have the budget to go somewhere where we can do it right. Um, this is this is something that it's hard to do. It's hard to turn away work, but I promise you it's for the best because... There's this there's this metaphor that I heard, and I can't remember what it was in reference to, but I find it it's really applicable to the arts in general or any really difficult pursuit in business or in life. And it's you don't strike oil by going out and digging a new hole every single day, right? You go to the same fucking hole and you dig and you dig and you dig and you dig until you hit oil. You don't just go out and start a new hole because you're never going to fucking get there, right? So if you... Take that same mindset and apply it to what you're best at or whatever your niche is. It's going to benefit you in the long run. I know it's hard in the short term, but this is a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, yeah, it's the fucking music business, baby. That's showbiz. Okay. Uh, finally, this is, an I think, an important one, especially nowadays. This is a tough one, though. Uh you got to have a good online presence, whether that's social media or you have a kick-ass website. You got to know where your traffic is coming from. If it's Facebook, make sure your Facebook is fucking locked down and be on that shit. If it's your website, make sure it's as clean, clear, and concise as possible and you capitalize on all of your opportunities. For me... It's Instagram. I invest heavily into my Instagram time. Uh, and I've gotten a fair amount of business from that. I think if you're going to have a studio or if you're going to be a freelance artist, producer, whatever, engineer, you got to have a good online presence because you got to get yourself in front of people. Now, you got to be able to back that up with good work, but we're assuming that that's not the issue here. So it's, it's exhausting, man. I will tell you, it's... Um, not my favorite thing to do. It can really uh, affect your mental health if you're 
uh, the kind that gets on and starts looking at everybody else's Instagram because let's face it, an Instagram is just they're showing you the best of what's going on, you know, and half the time it's a lie, right? Let's be honest. Most of the shit you see on there is just like people's highlights. Uh, I try to be really honest on my Instagram and not bullshit. Uh, that's just me personally, but most of my Instagrams is fucking funny, stupid memes that I make. Well, I find them funny. That's really all it's for is just to make myself laugh and hopefully some of you degenerates out there. Um, you got to have a good social media presence. If you're not in front of people, they're forgetting about you and you're not going to get business. So that's my, that's my TED talk. Um, talking about the next podcasts, we have got some more coming up. I promise. I know it's been intermittent and, uh, a little sparse. Uh, it's been a chaotic couple months for me. A lot of mixed projects, a lot of work coming in. We moved, moved the studio. It's just a lot, you know, and we've got some really great shit coming up. I've got um, Ryan McMullen, who's a fucking phenomenal artist from Ireland, is going to be on the podcast next week. And uh, I'm looking to get a couple of other really great people on that I'm not going to mention yet, just because I don't want it to fall through. Um, Ooh. And then one of my favorites, Conrad Snyder, is going to be on next week as well. So look forward to that. That'll be my first uh, follow-up with somebody. It'll be his second time on the show. So I'm super excited about that and to talk to him about his new EP that he just released that's really fucking great. You guys should go listen to it. It's Soul, S-O-L-L, on Spotify. Um, Yeah, go follow him on Instagram, Spotify. If you don't follow me on Instagram, what are you doing here? How did you get here? I'd love to know. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Colton underscore Lee, K-O-L-T-O-N-L-E-E. For those of you that can't spell like me, um, I didn't mean to rhyme there, but it is what it is. You know, deal with it. Um, stick around. I've got some awesome guests coming up and some fun content. I'm going to start working on here with some visual uh, components, some fun mix stuff, and uh, a breakdown of a tune by a really great artist named Ben Masterson that I got to produce a song with. So uh, stick around, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks.